All right, here we go. All right, everyone. Well, it sounds like we have some dinner plans in the making. So if you made a friend, ask them to eat, unless it was really expensive, and then say one day. But we are so glad you guys are back with us. Um, if you've been here and you're like, man, this setup looks a little different, it's because tonight's going to look a little different. And if you are new, we're so glad that you're to be with you. Um, we just wrapped up a summer-long series on relationships. It was called Pillow Talk, Relationships in the Kingdom of God. And with that, we opened up what we called a Q&R, so question and response, where we try to answer some of your guys' questions through our online podcast. So if you haven't listened to that, check it out. But what was cool is we had so many questions from you guys that we actually couldn't possibly answer them in all of our time. So what tonight is going to look like is I am here with Pastor Brian Howard, who is one of our teaching pastors here at Calvary and has been a huge part of YAA. And he is going to um, try to answer, at least respond to some of the questions that we had. But a unique aspect of tonight is not only do we have questions from our Instagram throughout the series, but we are going to open a live Q&R for you guys. So there should be a number on the screen that comes up. Yeah, so 58568. Five, and what you guys can do at any point in the night, if we're talking about something or if there's something burning in your heart right now, you can text in. And our friend AJ is going to help us feel those questions. But this can be about relationships. This can be about a topic that we've covered. And then Brian kind of opened himself up and said, if there's anything you want to ask him personally as a married man, as a father, someone who's walked through relationships in many different seasons of life, um, you can ask him questions. So does that, does that sound good, guys? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's going to be great. So Thank you. Um, Brian, thank you for being with us tonight. Yeah, thrilled to be here. And seriously, questions, um, we, we are screening them. So if it's absolutely absurd, we'll probably say no. Uh, but in every way, I, I want to try to just uh, e either vulnerably answer questions or just try to clearly answer questions. And then the one thing I always try to say in Q&As is um, I'll, I'll try to open this as much as I can and answer from here. Um, my opinions um, might have like a little tiny bit of relevance in your life, but they shouldn't have much. Uh, if I say anything that's true and it's about this book, uh, that's really what we want it to be. And so really our heart and desire here at Calvary is that we would be a people that delight in God's word, not in our own thoughts, opinions, and feelings. And so that's what I'm going to try to answer out of tonight. Um, and, and we'll navigate our way through that. So Sarah, if you want to awesome. kick us off, yeah. Yeah, well, with that, just kind of as we open tonight and we're thinking about relationships in the kingdom of God, for you, Brian, what, what is a piece of like anchoring scripture you can offer someone as they're approaching the subject of maybe romantic relationships for the first time? Yeah, this is um this is a really great question um and one that I think uh, kind of just comes to all of us as we think about romance going forward. We we just always try to identify that this is a room with hundreds of single people, right? Uh, which is exciting and wonderful and terrifying and awful and the best and the worst all at the same time. Uh, and if there's a scripture that I would love for you to go back to, sort of over and over and over again, uh, I taught on this scripture throughout the course of this series, but I want to return us uh, to Ephesians chapter five. And so I'm just going to read this passage, um, and I won't teach on this passage in full, and I won't go through everything there is to say, um, but I really want to remind us that this passage helps us. Uh, it talks about husbands, and it talks about wives, and, and I actually think 
um, for you as single folks or as folks who are dating uh, and kind of looking at marriage in the distance, um, you having a clear picture of where you want to go is the most significant thing. I think a lot of you don't know which way to go because you're not sure what the destination is. And once you know what the destination is and once you know where you're aiming, then you'll know where to start walking toward. Uh, and so when the Bible describes marriage, it's gonna give these commands. It says in Ephesians chapter five, verse 22, uh, it says, actually we'll start in verse 21. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so there should really be this submissiveness in your heart where if your life is kind of all about you and your thing and you doing your thing, no one tells you what to do. No one gets in your way. No one gets in the way of your career or your life or your health or your thing. Uh, please stay single. Uh, for the sake of the world. Uh, but once you're ready to submit yourself and once you're ready to sacrifice for the sake of another, you might be ready to date. Um, and then verse 22 says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, I've taught on submission many, many times, and so I won't go into everything this means and doesn't mean, but I just want to say this very clearly, that there should be a part of you that says, okay, if I'm going to step into marriage and I'm going to do it biblically, it's going to look like this, where it says the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And ladies, um, if I can just speak to you directly on this, I think that means for you, if you're going to start dating a guy and seriously considering marrying him, whatever you're going to make of this passage and interpret it, it has to start with you respecting and honoring this man. So if this man's funny and he's rich and he's famous and he makes you laugh and you have a great time with him, but you don't actually respect him and you couldn't possibly see him as like the head of your family, I think you've actually got to back away a little bit, slow it down and say, why is it that I could never see myself submitting to this man? So ladies, again, you're looking for this and then men, you're looking for the type of woman who would see this and say, that's the type of man I see as you. And then again, for men, it's going to say in verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so again, men, what I'm going to say to you uh, is that if you look at the woman you're dating and she's fun and she's pretty and you have a good time with her and you really enjoy her, but you don't actually want to sacrifice for her, you don't actually want to lay your life down for her, I would encourage you to slow down. Because again, the picture the Bible paints is this beautiful picture of Christ and the church. And when you can start to say, my relationship is aiming toward there, then you've got a really beautiful end picture. I love what Paul says at the very end here in verse 33. He says, however, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. And so again, men, I would just encourage you um, as you start to think about dating, as you start to enter into romance with, with any woman, the, the question is, well, I love her. And could I love her in the way Christ loved the church? And ladies, the question for you when you're starting to date this guy is can I respect him? Not just can I like him and love him and have feelings about him, but can I respect this man? Can I honor him in the same way that the church honors Christ? And so again, um, there's so much more to say from this passage. But there's not less to say than have a clear picture in mind of where you're going because I think a lot of people, and maybe even some of you, just kind of start dating based on emotion and feeling and then it just shoots them all kinds of directions and, and then they're frustrated when it doesn't work out. When you have a clear picture in mind of where you're going, then you know what steps to take. That's good. That's good. That's actually a passage that my husband and I were looking at just the other day. And yeah. <laughs> freshly into marriage, uh, it takes a lot of sacrifice. Yes, it does. So yeah. I think that yeah. it's it's at least a, it's a passage to wrestle with. If anything in there like grabbed your heart, go further, go deeper, right. have bring friends into it, talk talk about it. Um, so thank you. Yeah.
So we warmed up with that. And then we have another question. I love how specific this was. This also has to do with a passage of scripture. And it asks this. It says, at what stage do you apply 1 Corinthians 7, 9? Which says, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Yeah. And then the follow-up question is, is reaching this stage in a mature relationship a sign to move forward in marriage or a sign of a lack of character? Yeah, that's a really good question. Whoever asked that, 10 points for you. Um, (laughs) We we did not preach through this uh, in full, but uh, 1 Corinthians chapter really 6 and 7 is going to talk a lot about sex, a lot about marriage. And and Paul's really trying to answer a lot of really practical questions that the church of Corinth has about marriage. When should I get married? When should I not get married? If my husband dies, should I get remarried? All of these questions get answered in 1 Corinthians 7. To give you the context of the verse that Pastor Sarah just read, it says here in verse 8 of 1 Corinthians, Seven. It says, now to the unmarried and to the widows. So that would be you, right? I, I know there's a, maybe a handful of people married in this room, but really this is this room. So to you people, here's what Paul says. Paul says, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. So, so actually, if you grew up in church with the impression that you're a little bit less than until you get married, the Bible says the exact opposite. The Bible says that you are not less than. In fact, you are in a good state, an enviable state, because you do not have the burden of marriage. So Pastor Sarah and I, as married folks, not, not to one another, to our separate spouses, um, if you don't know us, um, but, 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 but for us, there is a certain burden we carry in life that, that if you are single, you do not carry. And Paul would really just love everyone to have that kind of freedom of singleness to go love and serve the Lord. But then he says this, and and I think this is where the Bible is so realistic. He says, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Um, And anyone who's ever been in like a romantic relationship where you just feel like you keep pushing the boundary and you keep pushing and pushing knows exactly what this feels like. And this is what I love about the Bible. The Bible is like so rooted in real life, not some sort of fantasy world faith. It's like, hey, if you're having trouble crossing lines with your boyfriend or girlfriend, you can think about like continually beating yourself up and backing off that line. And there's a good realm of like having discipline and repentance and all that. But the Bible is also gonna say, you might just wanna get married. Now, here's what I wanna say about that. Um, The Bible, in the Bible times, um, getting married in your 30s wasn't really a thing. Now, I don't think there's anything morally wrong with that. I just want to point out that you're actually living in a culture where people are getting married way later than they ever had. And so the idea that it's harder to be sexually pure in a culture where you're waiting till 35 to get married is not shocking or surprising. A lot of people in Bible times are getting married at 16, 17, 18, 20 years old, which to a lot of you is shocking, but there's actually something to that where all of this sort of sexual energy inside of you gets to be channeled into a really healthy and God-honoring covenant when you're married that young. Now, are there problems with getting married young? Yeah, there's definitely issues and there's gonna be a balance and a trade-off on both sides. But I I want you to know the wisdom of the scripture says this, that one of the best things you can do if you feel like, hey, me and her, we've been dating. Let's say you've been dating two years and you feel like you keep crossing lines and you just feel overwhelmed with that and you feel like you want to honor the Lord together and you're not sure how, the answer might be just to get married. Now, it's not that you get married and all of your sexual sin issues are now solved that you're married. You can be a married woman or a married man and still struggle with sexual sin. It doesn't take away the the problem, but what it does is it focuses it and gives sex a healthy expression to have. And so again, I think the question was, how do I know whether this is, the question was, how do I know whether this is a self-control issue? Yes, or like a lack of character. And it's funny, what Paul says is it's a self-control issue. Verse nine, if you cannot control yourself, 
get married. And so I think Paul, again, is actually just being super realistic about the human condition. I think one of the worst things you can do as a Christian is try to tone down or pretend your sexuality doesn't even exist, yeah. to try to pretend it away rather than to say, this is inside of me. I love this man or I love this woman. I'm going to enter into a covenant relationship with them. And so I would say this, um, we're, we'll, we can talk about, and I think some of the other questions that came in on Instagram were about when do I know I should get married? And there's definitely like red light, green light we'll talk about on that. Uh, but I think if you are in a place where all the lights are green and all the indicators are you could get married and you're struggling with self-control when it comes to sex and sexuality, I would say buy a ring, get on one knee, set a date, go get yourself married. Amen? Amen. All right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, you just led into the perfect club question. Well, there's actually two that you just talked about. But with that, I love this question and it, it can seem so simple, but in, in that headspace, how do you know if you're lusting after someone or you're actually yeah. loving them? Because I think that yeah. could help you answer that right, question right, right. too. Yeah. So, so here's what I'd say. that Lust is always going to be me looking at another human being created in the image of God and reducing them to an object. So that's always what lust is going to be. So when I lust after someone, what I'm looking at is it would be wonderful to experience that person. Right, And so if we can just be really straight here, there's, there's a man uh, who is lusting after a woman. He sees her on his social media or he sees her in life and he thinks to himself, I want to have sex with that woman. In that moment, all that woman is, is an object of his pleasure. And the same goes vice versa, ladies to men. But at the same time, if you have a man who looks at a woman and says she is beautiful, and man, if someday I had a sexual relationship with her in marriage, that'd be beautiful. But I want to get to know her. I want to listen to her. I, I want to get to know her life. I want to be challenged by her. I want a relationship with a living being. That's the difference and distinction. The man who is lusting after a woman doesn't care that she has a life and a career and a family and doubts and pains and fears and joys, doesn't care anything about that aspect of her life. He has narrowed her down to one thing and that is her sexual desirability. In the other side, love is the capacity to look at this human being and say, I wanna be in a relationship with you where I get to know you for all of who you are. And here's actually the beautiful thing. Lust, that like real quick desire to get, wanna get with someone sexually, that's like a tiny little ember that can just be snuffed out real quick. The beauty of love is this. It takes a lot longer to get that fire burning, but 10 years into marriage, I can tell you that it is more wonderful to be a married man in a sexual relationship with my wife now than it was 10 years ago. And that's because we trust each other so much deeper than we did 10 years ago. There's something so beautiful to marriage and the trust and the bond that's built in that covenant. It says in um, the beginning of the Bible and the story of Adam and Eve that they were naked and felt no shame. And I think the real goal of marriage is to be naked, not only physically, but also emotionally and mentally and financially and in every way to be with one another, to be fully exposed in all that you are and to feel no shame. And that's something that's built over time. So lust can never touch that, but love can. That's really good. Yeah, love is always a worthy pursuit. Yeah. And it also kind of leads into this next question. I love whoever asked this because I think this is more people than we talk about, but they ask and they say, I want to make war on my lust. Yeah. And, he, and they say, and porn in my life, but I feel like I make progress and I slide right back in it and it can be so discouraging and I feel weak and helpless, which I think is just so relatable. They're asking, what should I do? What should I do if I'm someone who's like, I want to pursue love, but lust just keeps coming up again and again. Yeah. Um, I'm going to flip to a passage here, but let me just say first um, how sympathetic I am to that. 
And I'm not sympathetic because I think porn is good or right or holy. I, I believe it is a sin against God. I believe it has never helped you or served you in any way. But I'm sympathetic in as much as that's part of my past. It's part of my story. And it's something that I know that many men and women struggle with. And I think we've talked about that where we want to make sure this doesn't come off as a dude issue. Uh, this is an all kinds of people issue. This is a Christian issue. Uh, this is a Christian pastor issue. This is not something that just goes away because you stepped into a church or goes away because you step into a new season of life. And so we want to be, uh, on the one hand, empathetic like Jesus was. The book of Hebrews says that we have a high priest who has struggled and been tempted in the way that we are and yet did not sin. And so Jesus understands that and he sees that. And to the question of, Kendall, what do I do? How do I make war with that? I, I, I actually do. Uh, I'm not a big like militaristic guy on everything. I don't think everything has to be machoism and how strong you are. But I do like the idea that you don't make peace with your sin. You make war with it uh, because your sin is not serving you. It is not helping you. Um, and when Galatians talks about sexual sin, it talks about living by the Spirit. Uh, and here's what it says in verse 16 of chapter 5. So Galatians 5, 16, this is a really important verse. If you're the person who wrote this, or if you are struggling with pornography, and you are struggling with an ongoing besetting sexual sin, I want you to know this verse, jot it down, memorize it. It says in verse 16 of Galatians 5, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Other scriptures or versions say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And I love that idea because the idea suggests this, that the way you win the war against lust is not by thinking more about lust. Yeah. And I think too often in church, the idea is like, you're sinning in this way, so you should talk more about pornography and think more about your lust and think more about yourself and focused inward. And I just want you to know that's always a failing strategy. You don't win the war against lust with willpower. You don't win it by just trying really hard and saying, tonight I'm not gonna do it. I'll try to get three days in a row. That is always a losing strategy. You don't fight sin with willpower. You fight sin with worship. That's why the scriptures say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So young man, young woman who is struggling with pornography, do not set your eyes on battling pornography. Set your eyes on Jesus. Worship him, talk about him, follow him, obey in all the other areas of your life. Do you know that when you obey in all the other areas of your life, it actually makes obedience in the area you struggle easier? You start to walk with Jesus. And, and here's maybe the final thing I'd say, and I know life isn't this simple, but I wanna give you a perspective here. If let's say there was a 25 year old young man in this room struggling with pornography um, and the 25 year old man was just really wanting to be done with it. And then we fast forwarded 10 years and you gave me two options. Option number one is this young man is passionately in love with Jesus and is more of a faithful follower of Jesus than he ever was. And yet pornography is still a struggle in his life. Or option B is that he has conquered pornography. He no longer looks at porn and yet his faith is kind of on the shelf. It's there, but he doesn't really buy into it and he's not really sold out on Jesus. If you gave me those two options, I would choose the first one every time for your life because the goal of this life is not to manage your sin. The goal of this life is not just, I'll try to manage sin out of my life. The goal is to follow Jesus. And when I say that, I'm not trying to give you a license or an excuse to sin. I'm saying that the goal isn't sin management. The goal is worship. Fall in love with Jesus and the things of this world will look so small to you. That's so good, Brian. And I just wanna add on to that. Um, a lot of times we look at our, the sin of our life and shame can hold us in a place where we're like, I'll do this by myself or just me and Jesus. Yeah. But something we're actually excited about this fall is we're starting two groups, one for men, one for women, 
uh, that really the, the main goal is discipleship. It's following yeah. Jesus. It's being in the word. It's being in prayer. It's worship. But there is a focus on, and use the word that may not be popular, but purity, yeah. purity, holiness, yeah. seeking God. Maybe you're a man or a woman where you're like, this has just gotten enough of my life. And I want to walk with other men and women who are heading towards freedom, who are encouraging in the same way. Um, that's on our small group signup. So it just says men's yeah. purity group, women's purity group. We're trying to like recapture that word and make it something that is grace filled and good but again if that's you i just encourage you to sign up you're gonna find a safe place there and we're we're really excited to see what that does within our hearts in this community and i would just say if what pastor sarah just said terrifies you it's probably what you need to do Mm. um sometimes the scary like if like the thing you were been doing it would would have worked it would have worked already right but it hasn't worked and so why not try something new and different and scary and faith-filled we were just singing can you imagine with all in the faith of the room what the lord could do and then you're like hey why don't you step into a group where you can confess and repent of your sexual sin. You're like, no, not me, right? <laughs> like, like you got to match those two things. You can't just sing about faith. You actually have to take steps and footwork. Yeah, life change happens in relationship, right. guys. But yes, um, come talk to us about it after if you have questions. Yeah. But next question we have here, and you kind of mentioned this earlier, but what are, like, say someone's in a relationship and they're looking for signs from God to know if the person they're dating is the right person. Yeah. What does that look like? Like, what should they be looking for from the Lord? Or maybe it kind of falls into that category of, like, how do you know when it's it's right to get married to somebody? Yeah. Um, I, I would say um, with the Lord, when it comes to big decisions in my own life, I like to play, uh, remember red light, green light, um, red light, yellow light, green light. Um, and, and what I try to do is I try to look at that in three different areas. So the first thing I'm always going to look to is God's word, right? And so I'm going to open the Bible and I'm going to go, is there anything in this book that tells me who I should or shouldn't marry? And we've told you this over and over and over again. The only requirements of Christian marriage when it comes to like compatibility tests is that they are also a Christian, okay? And so we've just been abundantly clear on that, that that we believe the scripture teaches that Christians should marry believers uh, or else there's going to be issues. There's going to be problems. There's going to be things. And so I want to make sure on that. But then I also want to look at other things about who they are and does it seem like they're following Jesus? We talked about in that sermon um, a couple months back on who you're looking for. Do they confess? Do they repent? Do they own their sin? or are they prideful? So you're looking for that. And if I have a green light, that means, listen, there's nothing in the scriptures and the word of God that says, don't marry this person. In fact, there's not not even a yellow light. Now, sometimes there's gonna be a yellow light and that just means slow down. That doesn't mean no, it just means slow down. But if you're a believer and they're not a believer, um, don't lie to yourself. Don't say, well, like one time I heard them pray sort of, and that means they're a Christian. Like, don't deceive yourself. Like you're gonna live with that deceit for the next four or five decades. Like, don't do that to you. So red light, green light, yellow light there. And then I'm gonna look to God's uh, people. Um, God's people, meaning the church. I'm gonna bring men and women into my life who are at least like a couple decades older than me. And so it's nice to say like, I'm a junior in college and they're a senior, so they're older. Like, yes, that's true, they're older. But like, go find some old woman who has nothing to lose by telling you the truth, okay? Go find some old man who's willing to just look you square in the eyeballs and call you a moron, right? That's what you need in your life, young men. You need men who are willing to do that. And so what do I wanna do? I wanna get people in my life. And if I look around in my life and all sorts of people are like, oh, I wouldn't marry them. I'm not sure about them. Like the most prideful, foolish thing you can do is not slow down in that moment. It doesn't mean they're right. It just means you slow down. I told the story 
in a sermon a while ago, and not everyone heard it. When I decided I was going to marry my wife, I, I pitched it before the Lord. I went to the scriptures, uh, and then I went to this group of guys I trusted a lot, and I got them in a circle. And I said, guys, I want to propose to Danny. I'm going to go buy a ring next week, but right now, I need you guys to give me the green light on it. And they all kind of murmured in a, uh, like affirmation. We love Danny. That's great. Go marry her. I was like, no, 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 no. Every one of you. And I went one by one around the circle, sitting around a little fire pit, said, are you okay with it? Speak now or forever hold your peace. Now, I'm a little more aggressive than most people, so you don't have to do that, okay? But, but you do need to make sure people have the space to tell you the truth in life yeah. and that you surround yourself with people who will tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. Yeah. So it's the word of God, it's the people of God, and then it's the spirit of God. And that is you just having the sensitivity to the spirit of God in prayer, where if you feel unsettled, like I've, I've talked to so many young ladies who are like, it just seems right, it seems like I should marry him, but I'm just not at peace with it. I'm like, that's God's spirit telling you something. Like, listen to that. Don't just kind of go, well, technically on paper, our marriage should work. Like, that's not the type of thing you should be, ex you should be pumped on it. You should be thrilled. You should have peace with it. You should feel in the deepest part of your soul, like this is a God honoring good thing. And four decades from now, I'll be more like Jesus because I married him, right? That's what you want. And so again, it's God's word. It's God's spirit. It's God's people. And if I had green lights from all of them, I'm in. If I have a red light or a yellow light, I'm slowing down to make sure I understand what's going on and then make hard decisions from there. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And I love the encouragement of slowing down and to lean in. If someone important is talking to you and saying, hey, would you consider this? Consider it. Because it's so much better to consider before you're in that commitment yeah, right, than in, when you're right. locked in and going, wow, I really should have listened to that right. person. Um, so with that, kind of in the vein of just harder conversations. I really appreciate it. We've got several questions along this line. I just want to slow down as we answer them. Um, but just addressing what happens if you are same-sex attracted? What happens, this person identifies and says, I'm gay. I know I'm not supposed to have sex with somebody. But what can I do? Can I marry a guy? Or if you're a girl, maybe asking this question, marry a girl, kiss, like where, where are the lines? Yeah. And what, what's yeah. the wisdom of scripture in this area yeah. of life? Yeah. So the first thing I want to say, if you wrote this question or if you resonate with this question is, I, I'm really glad you asked this and I'm really yeah. glad you're here. Um, that, that might sound strange to some of your ears, but, but I think it's important for me to say, uh, we're, we're a church that really believes in what John 1.14 says, that Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth. And so while we want to be gracious, we want to be welcoming, we want to be a people who say anyone is welcome, and that is absolutely true. Anyone's welcome here. We're, we're also a church of truth. Uh, and we have been very clear on what we see in the scriptures, that marriage is between one man, one woman, in a God-honoring covenant forever. And so um, for you to ask this question and to be here and be a part of this ministry, um, I, I'm just blown away by that because I do think that takes a certain amount uh, of courage and integrity um, wherever you are on the journey, whether you think, no, I should be celibate or you're not sure and you're wrestling. So I just want to extend grace toward that and, and just continue to articulate that if that's ever something you want to talk about for Pastor Sarah, myself, Pastor Brian, for any of us, that's a conversation we want to have uh, and one that I hope I would just do with the most graciousness and loving way possible. And so I want to address that first, whoever actually asked that question to speak to you as a person, not knowing who that is. But then I want to try to answer the question because I think it's a really good one. Uh, and let me give two answers, a, a really brief one to just be clear and answer the question, but then maybe a, a way of looking at this question a little bit different. The, the brief answer is the question, can I date, can I kiss, 
Can I get married? Um, if I were advising you and you were asking, how do I stay faithful to Jesus? I, I would say that those things would be inconsistent with faithfully following Jesus. To be in a same-sex marriage or relationship, kissing, dating, holding hands, any of that kind of stuff. That the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 6 are going to say flee sexual immorality. So it's not like, hey, what can I get up to the line? It's like run as far away as you can possible. But let me give you a different perspective. And I don't know if this will help who asked the question. Um, the perspective I want to give is that it seems like what you've done is you've said marriage with a full sexual union, um, because I'm same-sex attracted, is out of bounds for me. And therefore, what I want to do is I want to kind of settle for the next best thing. So it'd be marriage without sex, or maybe dating without marriage, and I'll just kind of settle for the next best thing. And what I want to just urge you to look at it differently is that you wouldn't settle for anything. If you are same-sex attracted, don't you dare settle for anything less than the life that God has called you toward. And the life that God has called you toward is not ultimately and finally fulfilled in marriage or in sex or in dating. That if you say, I, let's say you've made the decision that because of what the scriptures call you to, you are gonna live celibate. The lie that you should not believe, and I hope you'll never believe, is that you always have to settle for a little bit less than your peers. That's not true. And the reason I know that's not true is because Jesus Christ, the one who I model my entire life off of, was never married, he never dated, he was never in a relationship, and yet he lived the most full, joyful, purpose-filled existence of any human who's ever lived. And that's the invitation for you. It is to ensconce yourself deeply in Christian community, where I talked about earlier, where you're naked and unashamed. Again, that just doesn't mean physically. That means every way that people know you and they know your heart and you know them and you're deeply in an intimate relationship with them that is not sexual or romantic in nature. That's how Jesus modeled life for us. And that's something that I want for each and every one of you. That's something I want for you if you're like me or Pastor Sarah who are married. What I want for you is even if you're married, to have that deep kind of relationship. I know far too many guys who have been married 15, 20 years, and they're terribly lonely. Because yeah, technically they're married and they're having sex with their wives, but they don't know anyone. No one knows them. They're not in deep, intimate relationships. And my encouragement to you is to not just settle for some next best thing that you think you can get away with, or maybe the scriptures would allow something like that. I would want you to reach much higher to say that the ultimate expression that you are looking for in marriage is not just, am I in a relationship where our body parts can do this? That is not what it's about. Marriage is meant to just simply be a reflection of something so much deeper where we are intimate and known and loved by one another. And if you want that, seek that. There is nothing and no one stopping you from having that. <clears throat> I'm not saying that's easy. And I'm not saying that's simple. That might be the most difficult and painful thing you've ever done but I promise you that it will be worth it. So again, if you've asked this question and you wanna tease this out a little further, I know that we would welcome that conversation, whether tonight or if you DM us or reach out or email us or let us know somehow, we wanna help you see that not settling, you're not just trying to get the next best thing, you're trying to get the life that Jesus had where he was deeply known and deeply loved. That's good. Thank you, Pastor Brian. And yeah, like he said, well, let's continue the conversation. Um, we love you guys and we're really glad for your honesty when we want to yeah. give it in return. Um, 
But I love this next question because I think this can tie into life, maybe someone who's in that boat or even someone who's just walking in singleness. And so often, especially in the church, we can hear like the classic, like, well, Jesus is my husband or like the memes of like, Jesus is my boyfriend. But (laughs) the question that they're asking, I think is so valid is how should I view Jesus in a romantic sense? Like if we're talking about sexual intimacy, if we're even viewing God as the maker of sexual intimacy, and that's a part of maybe his attribute is somehow that connection piece is supposed to be there. And he gives us that in a physical way. Like how are we supposed to view God in a romantic sense? If he is the lover of our souls. Yeah. The one thing I don't want to do here is I don't want to confuse images and reality or pictures and reality. Like, like I think sometimes when we say like, well, like the sexual union is meant to point us toward God, then people think, okay, then, then God and us have a sexual kind of, like you bring it too far and it actually breaks the metaphor. Here's the best way I think to put it when it comes to marriage and sex and dating and romance and everything we've talked about this summer. Um, If I showed you a picture of the Eiffel Tower or of the Grand Canyon or of the Taj Mahal, I think you would look at that picture and say, that's kind of cool, like that's wonderful. But then if I actually got you on a plane and flew you to Paris or, or, or flew you to see the Taj Mahal or the Grand Canyon and actually took you to the spot and you could smell it and feel it and touch it and you could be around it and see the people and actually experience it in person, you would say, yeah, 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 those are the same things, but it's a different kind of experience. One is a picture and one is the reality. And what I want to suggest to you is that romance is the picture. Marriage is the photograph. It's the picture. It's meant to point you toward a deeper reality. So it's not that the picture is fake or it's not real or it's not enjoyable to look at. I've looked at some wonderful pictures in my life, some amazing paintings in my life, but I've also been to all the places I've just named and they're far more spectacular in person. And so what I want to suggest to you is that every feeling of romance you have, every feeling of that amazing experience of going through romance and and if you ever get married or if you ever have sex with someone in the context of marriage, that feeling of intimacy and oneness, the idea isn't you have that exact same experience with God, but the idea is that that is a picture pointing you toward what that relationship, that final covenant relationship with God in heaven is meant to be like. I think when people talk about sex, the idea isn't that you would have some sort of sexual relationship with God. I think it's that the pleasure of sex is meant to be a signpost. It's meant to point to that heaven is this bliss, this ecstasy that actually makes the things of this world look quite dim. It'd be like you standing at the Taj Mahal holding a picture of the Taj Mahal. By the time you get there, toss the picture, man. You're all in on the Taj Mahal itself. That's heaven. And that's why Jesus says there's no marriage in heaven. He goes, by the time you get there, you won't need the picture anymore. You'll see it for what it is. And that's what romance is. And so again, what I want to avoid is anything that turns Jesus into my boyfriend or, or, or personalizes the sort of husband-wife relationship. Every time husband-wife is discussed in the scriptures, it's the idea of Jesus and his bride, which is like the collective church. It's like all of us together. Again, it's this metaphor, it's an image, and it's a picture. And it's meant to point to something so much greater, not to be brought into this sort of creepy, weird, literalistic way where you actually kind of get overwhelmed and it creeps you out and so you bail. Okay, so uh, I don't know if that perfectly answers the question, but that's how I'd respond. Yeah, I think that yeah. gives that gives a good survey of it. And it is, I think it's a beautiful thing to invite Jesus into our relationships, but also understand like we need it. Like if you're married, it's like you'll understand how much more you need Jesus. But um, he really is the one who knows our souls better than anyone on this, this side of eternity will. And I think it's it's really delightful to even ask God 
can you show me how you love me in a way that no one else can? Um, And that could sustain you. So we got to the point in our night where we're going to start our speed question round. And we are going to go go through some of our live questions because you guys have written in many. So we're going to take like the next five to maybe six minutes. Um, and we're kind of just go through. And we're just like, quick. We're quick. Just pretty quick. Yeah. There's a few in here that we might have to answer off stage just because we, they deserve a longer answer, but, um, we're going to start with some quicker ones. And this is the first one we're just going to throw out there. Brian, how do you think, um, thank you you so much. God bless Janae. Wow. A servant, (laughs) servant's heart. Okay. Um, (laughs) a servant's heart. You guys know what I meant. Um, okay. How big is too big of an age gap in dating? Oh, uh, that's a really good question. Um, so there's not, okay. So, so aside from like major minor stuff, right? Like you're an adult, this is a teenager, like that type of, like that's out out of bounds, right? Okay. Out of of bounds. You laugh, but I was the high school pastor. So we had to deal with that. All right. So, so that's out of bounds. Um, here, here's what I would say. I think the older, the older you get, the the less relevant it, it feels. Um, if you've got a 60 year old dating a 25 year old. Yeah, that looks bad. So I don't, I, I, but, but, but if you have a 55 year old dating a 40 year old, it's different than a 18 year old dating a 32 year old, right? Like it just feels different. And so again, I don't want to set a specific number, but I want to say, um, ask the people around you. And this is again, where you bring the people in and you just say, Hey, can you shoot straight with me? Is this weird? And if they say, Oh, it's a little weird. Slow down. Yeah, that's good. That's good wisdom. All right. Next. I love this question. Is it normal to not feel butterflies and rainbows? Does it mean that they're not some, or there's someone you shouldn't date? Like, should you feel a level of like giddiness? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's normal. I would say it's normal. I would say in the beginning, it's more typical that there's butterflies and rainbows, but sometimes there's not. I have to admit with my wife, like she felt something in the beginning and I just thought, here's a colleague of mine, right? Um, I, I, it's just true. It's, it's the way it went. Um, and then I fell in love with her and felt the, so it came later. Yeah. Uh, but I would say certainly, I, I don't, don't allow butterflies, rainbows, that little feeling inside of you to be the thing that dictates it. Because if you do, you might miss out on someone really wonderful. I always say this, there might be someone you've known for a long time Time, and you're just like, oh, I never felt a thing. Well, okay, they're perfect. Go marry them. Yeah, no, that's so true. Feelings aren't all as good leaders. Um, next question. This deals with a long distance relationship. They're basically, how do you approach a long distance relationship with someone without moving into the same place or like living together before marriage? Say you're like living out of state or maybe just like even I've done this like a few hours away and yeah. you're like, we're getting serious, but what what's the best move if you're like, yeah, living together like, is off the table. So I'm interpreting this as it's long distance and you're wanting to get married and like the marriage would end the long distance because sometimes long distance is like they went off to school, but they'll be done in a few years. When there's an end point, it makes long distance a little easier. But I would say this, I mean, this is where it says, Paul says, if you lack the control, then get married. And I think sometimes in our culture, we're like, well, you, well, you get engaged and then you wait six years and then you think about getting married and then you get married 10 years later. It's like, no, just get married. Um, and, and you're like, but we got to save up for a dream wedding, maybe, or just do it cheap and get it done and get married, right? Uh, and my point isn't to dishonor the marriage ceremony. My point is to say, uh, you've got to live your life. And if in your life, the strain is, hey, we're apart, then propose, set a date, get married six months from now, and then your problem will be done. And so I, I, again, I think marriage is the ultimate end point there. Um, and, and, and there's, there's just absolutely no reason to sit around waiting because of some arbitrary age that you think you're supposed to get married at. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Okay. Uh, next question. 
how do I manage just being on my own if someone feels like they need to be with someone or in a relationship? Yeah. Like what, what about the person that's like, man, I just feel like I do better in a relationship and I love to be with people, but that's just not the season I'm in right now. Oh, wait. So are you so, saying what, what, what does someone do if they're, they, they don't like being alone? Yeah, sorry. I tried to rephrase okay. that, but they're basically, how do I manage just being on my own? As yeah. someone who feels they yeah. need to always be with someone in a relationship. Right. So a phrase I use a lot um, is that whatever you fear most will control you. Um, and so what you need to do is you need to be aware of your fears. And again, I'll speak to the young ladies because I love you. Um, if you are more afraid of being alone than you are being with the wrong guy, you'll end up with the wrong guy every time. Um, and what I want for you so badly is to be okay with being alone because you're actually not wanting to get into that wrong relationship. And so... Um, being alone is hard. I'm not pretending it's easier. What I'm saying is harder is being with, dating, or eventually marrying the wrong guy because you're so afraid of loneliness. If you can't go for a season of your life or an evening of your life without people around or music on, if you can't just be alone with your own thoughts, I would actually argue you're not ready for marriage. Um, you need to be able to be alone with your own thoughts, with your own self, and comfortable um, where you're at. I'm not saying like go find yourself or any of that kind of woo-woo stuff of like you got to be on a journey and a quest. Like no, like you just got to be able to say, I'm single and I'm okay. And then the right person comes along and you're in, right? Rather than I'm desperate for anyone. And so the worst dirtbag who comes along, who suddenly wants to be, I'm speaking to you ladies because I love you. Um, don't do that. Awesome. Awesome. All right. We're going to finish with two questions and I'm just going to throw this out there. We can find a way to maybe follow up with you guys since you're texting them in. So if you don't hear your question answered, don't be discouraged. Um, yeah. Maybe I could do like an Instagram yeah, response thing. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. We'll figure it out, yeah. but we'll end with these two. Um, this one, I think, hits home for a lot of people. Kind of talked about last week, but um, I recently got broken up with and I'm really struggling. How does God call us to deal with heartbreak? Yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that. Um, that I, I just, there's like, there's better and worse breakups, but there's no good breakup. Um, you had your heart invested somewhere, you were with someone, and then that dissolves for even good reasons. It's still hard. And so I'm just sympathizing with you. I think right now is one of those moments you need to remember that, that life is filled with heartache and it's filled with heartbreak. Um, and the beautiful thing about the scriptures is it gives us all of the tools to work through that. So you're not just on your own figuring this thing out. Um, if he or she wounded you, um, the Bible only gives you one tool to deal with the wounds of a past you cannot change. And that tool is forgiveness. That's and good. so I want you to lean into that. It gives you one tool um, to be able to heal in that moment. Um, and that is patience, right? It is patience through the suffering. It is waking up and being in tears and not even wanting to go to work, but then just putting your clothes on and going to work, right? Uh, and that's patience. It's the ability to walk with long suffering. I'd encourage you to be around other people. Right now, the counterintuitive thing is you want to back away and just kind of be in your hole and like cry and watch movies and just bleh. And like, okay, fine, do that for a night or two but then like get the right people around you um, so that you can actually um, heal. Healing happens in relationship. Again, that phrase we've been saying all night, life change happens in relationship. It doesn't happen on your own. Uh, and so to be able to go through that. And then the last thing I'd say, and this is where um, this is, this takes courage. So maybe you're not at the place where you can do this. Figure out why it didn't work and don't come down with a simplistic answer because she's the worst, right? Um, because he's awful, right? Because if that's your answer, you'll never actually heal and get ready for the next relationship. The only way you get healing and, and preparation for the next relationship is to recognize where you fell short in this one, what you didn't see in them that you could have seen. That's the kind of self-awareness that sets you up for the next relationship well.
That's really good. Thank you. And we'll end with this final question. And, and I just love it as a community full of people dating and people are single, but they're basically saying, um, as friends start to maybe pair off maybe you're in the season where people are dating around you or getting married, um, they're asking, how would you advise people in romantic relationships or marriages to include and still love on their single friends? Well, like, yeah. what does that look like as a married person? Yeah, that's a really or good person dating. That's a really great question. Um, I think the answer is you, you don't pretend nothing's changed. So sometimes dudes get married and they're like, me and the boys, we're just the same. It's like, no, you're not. Um, like, like you're not, you don't pretend it's the same, but you, you enter into a new season where, where you, where you acknowledge that season and then you decide, here's how it's going to look like and you rebuild the relationships. And so my wife and I, uh, we have single friends um, who, who come over, they spend time with us, we'll do dinner with them, we'll see them, we'll encourage them. You know, from time to time, I've asked single friends of mine when I'm around a bunch of married people and they're the single one, hey, us talking about our wives and families, does that throw you at all? So maybe you just check in with them and show some sensitivity to just be aware. And sometimes they'll say, actually, yeah, it makes me feel insecure. But, but then other times I've gotten, no, it's actually like, beautiful and it's what I want in the future. So you keep talking about that, right? You have some awareness of that. Um, and then the, the most beautiful thing I think you do when you get married, let's say you have a friend, you've been friends for a long time and now you bring someone else in, is your best friend gets, or some of your friends get to know your wife or your husband. That's like the best thing in the world. Cause you're like, I love you and I love you. Boom, right? And you, they get to know each other and you're like, this is the coolest thing in the world because these are two people who have meant a lot to me and then you try to fuse that. But then I also just think, and this is, this is just a, a reality check, um, sometimes you get married and, and, and friendships change and that's also okay. Um, there's no rule written anywhere, including in this book that says once you become friends with someone, you have to be friends with them forever or you failed. Um, and I just wanna free some of you to know that sometimes you step into a relationship and there are other relationships, you're not even mad at them. There was no falling out. It just didn't work out the same. Um, and, and they're going in different directions and it didn't fuse well, or maybe they don't like your spouse, in which case, bye, right? Um, like that's where you allow things to change. And so I love that question because I think that question is good for us to remember that there's always gonna be different pacing in this room. The crazy thing is that in two years, some of you will be married. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Um, and, and in two years, some of you will be single and, and, and some of you are the same age as the people who will be in the other camp. And so as we age and as we go through our 20s and early 30s and marriages happen and people have kids and families and all of that, it's just good to remember uh, that there is no metric. There is no uh, benchmark you're supposed to be at. Some of you in your mind have, by 27, I'll have babies and this, right? Like once you get there, you start to set yourself up for failure. And so my encouragement to all of you, married, single, anywhere along the way, is just to walk with a kind of open-handedness to say, Lord, like if I get married in a year, if I get married in 10 years, if all my dreams come true as I have them, or you have a different dream for me, God, that's what I want. Because when people start to take control and wrap their hands around some dream they have, that's when they make really bad decisions. And so my encouragement to you, married or single, have open hands with friends, with romance, with everything, and with God, because when you have open hands, God loves to put beautiful things inside of them. And so I want to encourage you toward that as you go forward. That's so good. Thank you, Pastor yeah. Brian. Yeah. Um, so that, that's going to conclude our Q&R portion of the night. But again, if you texted something in or maybe still have a question, we're going to find a way to respond to you and get back to you. Um, before we go, um, Brian and I just wanted to be able to just kind of end it the way we started. So yeah, Dan, please make your way back up. Um, 
we we started the series by commissioning you. I got to commission some of the men and pray over you, kind of our hope for what the series would look like in your lives. And Brian got to pray over the woman in the room. And we just kind of want to finish the way yeah. we started and really go forward as a community and take the wisdom from the word of God, apply it to our lives and also spur each other on. So. Yeah, and I just say, you know, we understand that that romance in the kingdom of God is this deeply personal thing. And for some of you, this series has been fun and charming and cute. And for others of you, it's actually been heartbreaking and difficult and it's wrenched your heart. And maybe you've gone home and you've cried or you've gone home and you've had to wrestle with some really deep things in your life. And I want you to know that whether it has been joy or whether it's been actually like a sanctifying kind of pain, um, that God is at work in this series and God is at work in your romance and God is at work in your desires. And if you're single and you've always wanted to be married, but it's just not happening. The Holy Spirit of God is at work in that. And if you're in a relationship and it's awesome and you can totally see this going toward marriage, God and his Holy Spirit is at work in that. So we just want to pray over you that you would have kind of an open hands toward whatever God has for you going forward. Uh, And so here's how we'll do it. Um, Maybe we could all stand together. um, And I would encourage you in the spirit I talked about uh, as I closed on that last question. um, If you're comfortable just to open your hands straight ahead of you to say, God, would whatever you have for me, if you have a husband or if you have a wife or you have kids, if that's in two years or 10 years or 20 years from now, God, whatever you have, I want to receive it. And I don't want to control it. I just want to receive what you have for my life. And so uh, Pastor Sarah is going to pray over the ladies uh, or over the gentlemen. Uh, I'm going to pray over the ladies. um, And then we'll go into a time of worship where we surrender our lives, our future, our romance and everything above uh, to our God. Yeah. Father, we just declare that you are good, that you are kind. As we've talked about, you're the one who shepherds us in every single season. And Lord, I just thank you that you you really do have a plan and a purpose uh, for your sons in this room. God, that you know them uniquely, that you know every desire of their heart. You know every past failure and place that of shame, God, that might be still lingering. And I, Lord, I just pray your blood over them, God, that freedom would really lead them into the life that you have for them. God, thank you that you are able to meet them in their deepest desires. I pray that they would become men um, worth serving, God, worth saying, okay, I want to stand next to you in life. And I want to follow the way that you love Jesus and help each other out as we live this life, God, that they would learn how to love their sisters well. They would learn how to love to pursue women romantically in a way that's honoring to you, Jesus. Um, so Lord, whether you have them single, dating, married, God, I just pray that above all, Lord, you just remind them that you are the one who loves them. You're the one who is proud to be their father. You're the one who sent your only son, Jesus, to be their advocate and to lead them in this life and make a way back to yourself. And Lord, thank you that you have handled every hard and difficult situation of any man that's gone before them, Lord. So you are not intimidated by what's going on in their life. Lord, to speak hope. And Lord, I just speak, um, yeah, Lord, that they'd be men who walk forward and even change things within their families and their family trajectory, God, that they would bring Jesus into the lives of those around them. Lord, I just pray, yeah, that as women, we can come around them and encourage them and support them um, and just remind them of their true identity. But Lord, have your way in their lives, God, and we just thank you for our brothers in this room. And Father, I thank you for my sisters. I thank you for the women in this room who love you and walk with you and know you, who walk in faith and who walk in courage and who walk in love and in hope. 
God, I pray that they would set their eyes on Jesus. I pray that you would make them more like him. God, I pray that in every way your Holy Spirit would fill them, that they would not gratify the desires of the flesh, but rather walk in a confidence of who you are and a joy of your salvation. God, may the women in this room know your word and love it. May they be so confident in what you said that no person in this room, no man in this room, no man in this world could possibly knock them off the calling and the purpose you've given for their lives. God, may these ladies be filled with confession and repentance, turning from their sin and turning back to you and trusting that you are good and you are God and you are sovereign over their lives. Father, I pray for the young women in this room who have believed the lie that they're incomplete, that they're nothing, that they're smaller, that their lives mean less because they're not dating or married. God, I pray that lie would go back to the pit of hell it came from. I pray that they know that they are fashioned and formed by the creator of the universe, valuable in your sight. God, may that kind of confidence flood and fill the young ladies in the room tonight. For the ones who so deeply desire to be in a relationship and that hasn't happened yet, I pray that their hands would be open, that they would walk by faith, not only in your goodness, not only in your love for them, but in your timing, God, that they would know that you have a right and good and healthy plan for their life and that you're gonna show yourself to be faithful in the years and decades to come. So God, I pray you would bless those ladies, the ones in relationships. God, I pray that you would give them courage and integrity and faith. I pray that they would be women um, who bring something of faith and of value and of truth and of love to the relationship that the men they're in a relationship with would be better and more Christ-like because of them, because of their presence and because of their witness. And so God, bless the women in this room and would you keep them? Would your gracious face shine upon them and would you give them peace? And in all things, they may they show the world what it means to live and love like Jesus. And so Father, for everyone, men and women in this room, we offer our lives, we offer romance, we offer sex and marriage and dating and everything else before you, we surrender all of it, trusting that you are the God who is in and above and under and beside all of it. God, may we trust you in all things and in all times and in every way. And may that redound to your glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said.